Hello again, friends, and welcome back to another edition of the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast. This time reviewing Mid-South Wrestling Television from January 15th, 1983, hosted by Boyd Pierce and Mr. Wrestling 2, taped on January 5th, 1983. Well, mostly taped on January 5th, 1983. We'll get into that a little bit more as the show progresses, but... I am the great Brian Last, and joining me as he does each and every week, the star of Booking the Territory, Mike Mills. Mike, how are you today? I'm doing good. We're about to embark on a rather uh, weird episode of Mid-South Wrestling. I think uh, you just kind of hinted at that, where most of or some of what we see is from January 5th, 1983, or taped January 5th, 1983, uh, airing January uh, 15th, 1983. So it's a it's a weird episode, and we're going to get into it a little bit disjointed. Other than that, I am doing well. Uh, I was on Hank Watch, but Hank Watch was hard because of the disjointedness that you're going to uh, talk about uh, or will talk about later in this episode because uh, they, they're – um, you know, Hank's not there, but then later on we see him, but he has appeared to move, but it's because of the different taping, but we'll, we'll, we'll get into that shortly. So I just wanted to mention Hank though. It is a really weird episode as a lot of the ones seem to be here in January of 1983, where it's kind of discombobulated. It's put together from various pieces. We'll explain a little bit more about that. You just teased it right there. Let's hear the show open right now. Boyd Pierce and Mr. Wrestling 2. I'm your host, Boyd Pierce, and we have a lot of exciting action. You know, an old adage that stands true, money begets money. And last week you saw what happened as Playboy Gary Hart talked to General Skandor Akbar, and the forces was united as Kamala, the Ugandan giant, he will join forces this week in tag team action with Playboy Gary Hart's rugged Great Kabuki. Also a special challenge match, the half-flying popular Latin star Chavo Guerrero versus rugged gorgeous Gino Hernandez. Bruno Sammartino Jr. is here. He'll be against the Louisiana heavyweight champion Jim Hacksaw Dugan. We'll have other great matches. And our outstanding guest commentator this week, the Mississippi heavyweight champion, Mr. Rassing, number two. Thank you very much. We're glad to have you with us. We look forward to your expert commentary as the matches go along. Right now, we're going to show the fans at home some of our previous outstanding matches. Right now, Kevin Von Erich uh, versus Mike Bond. Let's watch that right now. Well, there it is, Mike, the open of the show, and we'll talk about what they're going to get to in a second. Kevin Von Erich versus Mike Bond. I guess we should say Boyd Pierce once again, navy blue suit, dressed down. I guess, is this the same outfit he wore last week? Because, I mean, considering they didn't record that much new stuff for this episode, maybe that's why it's the same suit. I think so. I think, I think... And actually, I think he's worn this same suit tie combination a few times. I think uh, I think we've seen it uh, multiple times. I will say, I want to point out to those who aren't watching along with us, Wrestling 2 is at the desk, and it's it's glorious the way he looks. I mean, he's sitting there, he's got the, the headphones on, and he's in his suit. And I just, there was always something to me when you saw the mass wrestler dressed up in a suit. Uh, I don't know why it, it, it is intriguing and uh, rather uh, fascinating to me, but I always love seeing wrestlers, mass wrestlers in a suit, especially in this example where two is sitting there about to do commentary with Boyd. And something I caught more this second time around as I listened to it or third time, fourth time, whatever, was Boyd mentions as he's throwing it to Mike Bond versus Kevin Von Erich, He's he says a previous match. I realize that more now that I've watched this a few times. He's he's pointing out, uh, you know, we got great matches here, but here's a previous match. He doesn't say previously recorded, I don't think, but talks about a previous match. So anyway, um, 
I don't know. That answer your question about Boyd there with his suit and then uh, going into the next match. Yeah, and let's talk about that match. It's Kevin Von Erich versus Mike Bond with Rick Ferreira as the referee. So what's interesting about this match is you may remember months ago, Kevin Von Erich was on a Mid-South episode. This is from that same taping, which is August 18th, 1982. And it appears to be the very end of the taping because if you look at footage from earlier in the taping, there are more people there and here there are less people. And it's Boyd solo. Now, earlier, the first hour of the taping, it was Boyd and Bill Watts. And then the second show, it was Boyd and Akbar. So this tells me it was after that, more than likely. It could be in between the tapings, but more than likely it was after that. And this was either a dark match or something they just hadn't aired. They just left waiting to air. And here it is, Kevin in his spectacular, what do you call it, cape, I guess? He's wearing a cape. Mike Mike Bond, who's not very good. Any thoughts or notes about this match, Mike, from August? Uh, it's, it's, we're going to see this actually in the weeks to come. Boyd is very, it's weird when it's Boyd on commentary by himself. I don't know how else to explain it. It's just, he's, it's just, it's not something he's, uh, he's really good at. Um, I don't, I, that's all I can really say. Uh, Kevin wins with a splash on bond, but I don't really have anything else other than Hank's in the front row right now. But again, he's about to move because of what you laid out there with the, uh, taping. Well, the next match we go to, once again, from a previous taping, this was taped on November 24th, 1982, with Boyd Pierce and Bob Roop on commentary, Rick Ferreira once again as the referee. This also never aired before. Iron Mike Sharp versus Yoshiyatsu. Iron Mike Sharp wins with a clothesline, a rather stiff-looking clothesline. It looks like Yatsu didn't know it was coming. But other than that, I didn't have any notes. Any thoughts or notes about this, Mike? No, we, we, what's weird about this is not that just that we jumped to the match is we jumped to the match. And, um, again, you notice everyone in the audience is different and have different clothes on. Hank's moved over now to the left side of the ring. But what's weird is two opens the show supposedly on commentary and we jump to this match and Bob Roop is on commentary and, it's just again, I we mentioned kind of disjointed. It's it's weird. It definitely has a strange jigsaw puzzle like feel to it. You can tell right away. You're like, wait, what's going on this week? And no, I don't really have any notes other than you know, Roop's now on commentary and it's unannounced and Sharp wins with uh, just the clothesline, like you said. Coming out of that, we're about to get another match from that same taping, November twenty fourth, nineteen eighty two. You may remember Yoshiyatsu when he was in. He was usually with Hiro Matsuda, who was escorting him. Through Mid-South Wrestling, New Japan sent Yoshiatsu in care of Hiro Matsuda to learn the United States, to find a place to work there, and then come back to Japan. And before we get to this next match, Boyd and Mr. Wrestling 2 set it up. So why don't we hear this? Guest commentator of the week, the Mississippi Heavyweight Champion, Mr. Wrestling 2, as he's in the ring against the former NWA World's Junior Heavyweight Champion from Japan, Hiro Matsuda. And I'm sure you recall that match. Oh, I certainly do. You know, not only uh, the man being the uh, former uh, World's Junior Heavyweight Champion, but he's a tough competitor no matter uh, how you look at it, you know. And and, uh, the man is, uh, I knew when I went into the ring that I was going to have my hands full, but I feel very, very proud of myself by getting the victory over this man. It was a great victory and a great match. Let's watch it right now. And then we get this match, Mike, again from November 24th, 1982's television taping. Hiro Matsuda versus Mr. Wrestling 2, Alfred Neely as the referee. I have to say, I really enjoyed this. This was, even though it was taped in 1982, 
This was a really good 1970s TV match. What did you think? They, they, they I mean, it's Matsuda and wrestling too, so they're going to go after it. Um, really, wow. Well, I mean, the, the, I felt the crowd was into it. I mean, two does a good job, like at the very beginning of matches. You know, he all he does is simply hold up the little the two fingers. And then he kind of does that thing with his neck and his hips. I don't know how to explain. You know what I'm talking about, Brian, where he does yeah. the swivel. His, his little <laughs> shimmy. His little shimmy, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, like, I mean, you know, the crowd loves him, but he's for a kind of a plain guy with just a white mask with the black trim and the white tights with the black trim on the waistband. He's charismatic in a way that you you know, I think if you tell people that nowadays, they go, what do you mean this guy's charismatic? I'm like, you got to watch him. He does the two symbol. The crowd's into it. Uh, he does the little shimmy. And I mean, the, the fans are liking it. They go through a couple of sequences at the beginning where, you know, it's kind of like they're feeling each other out with a couple of holes and whatnot. Uh, I, I haven't watched a ton of 70s wrestling, so I'm going to lean on you when you say uh, it's a great 70s style match. But um yeah, man, they 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 they're they're having a good wrestling match by 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 definition of wrestling. You know, even beyond his promos, I think a young wrestler could learn a lot from watching Mr. Wrestling too, from just the way he moves around in the ring, the way he his movements in, at times are generated to get the crowd reaction. He's really really good, really intense. When he has to throw a forearm to make you believe he knows how to do it. It's probably a reason for that, but he, he makes it look really, really stiff. You can learn a lot from watching him in the ring. And, and, and you got to watch him sell, too, because whenever, you know, he's hit with something, whether it be in the throat or the chest or anything, I mean, he he's uh, the little things that I think people take for granted in a good wrestler. He he does them well. I mean, he really does. He, he just whether it's an arm bar he's in just anything man he fit, he sells well and he knows how to counter like uh at one point in the match i think he was like in a in a reverse arm bar and he you know takes out matsuda's legs and, and gets on top of him and matsuda gets the offense back on him but it's just he just i mean he again that you know you hear the statement less is more it's the little things with two his selling and let me tell you it's hard for a for a masked wrestler it's hard for a mass wrestler to sell sometimes because you can't see the facial expressions, but two does a good job of using his body and his, and the way he moves his arms and he, and he, you can see him wincing through his mask. And that's not easy to do as a mass wrestler. You know, he, he knows how to do those things with his head movements to make it look like what's happening in the ring is actually hurting and, and is effective. So I, I point all that out to say, you nailed it. It's a good match. Um, again, I haven't seen a ton of 70 style matches, but, uh, I can see if this is 70 style matches, it, it, it was some good stuff. Not not fast paced, but stuff that mattered and everything made sense. You know, you brought up earlier wrestling too in his suit and you enjoying seeing masked wrestlers in their suits. I just miss masked wrestlers not wearing lucha masks. Seems like every mask now is a lucha mask in one form or another. Or it has something hanging off it. I miss just a simple mask. And you understand when the guy's trying to pull it off, why the guy's fighting. And wrestling too, of course, has one of the classic ones, but. That's one of the other things. I just miss, I wish we had more mass wrestlers, not Lucha mass wrestlers, but just regular mass wrestlers. I totally agree. Um, um, I mean, the whole Lucha thing. I mean, you got to imagine, like, when we first started watching wrestling, well, I don't know, maybe you saw the Luchadors before that. I, I, I didn't. My, my, you know, embodiment of what a mass wrestler was was guys like Two and Olympia. So, I mean, 
Yeah, or assassin. You know, I they those guys weren't luchadors. They were even Mil Moskers. Mil Moskers wore just a regular mask. It wasn't you know some weird design, some weird shape. It was just a mask. Yeah, that's 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 true too. That's true too. I was thinking more of just uh, of guys I knew that were American mask wrestlers, and there is something to that, man. I I they're I don't know why. You know, I guess it's because everybody kind of mimics WWE, but. There should be more masked wrestlers. I mean, so what if we know what they look like underneath at this point in time? It's just the fact that you don't have any. And back in the day, we had so many masked wrestlers. Can you imagine if you could find a guy who's trained by someone and is really good, but has never really worked any indie shows. No one knows who he is. And you put a mask on him and you put him in a good role and no one knows who he is. And you can keep that going as long as possible. That'd be, amazing. It would be hard. It would be it would really be hard. It would be really hard, but that would be a fun challenge. Yeah, it would be it would be very difficult in today's social media day and age. But uh, if you could do it, by all means, man, uh, I, I would applaud anyone who tries to pull it off. Well, let's get a little bit of commentary from this match. We mentioned it's an older match, but Bob Roop's on commentary. And it's interesting because he's talking a little bit about how he broke into the business because he broke in in Florida with Eddie Graham and, of course, Hiro Matsuda. Let's hear this. Double tough, Hiro Matsuda, man of steel. I'm telling you, the man's that he helped break me in the wrestling business, and I mean break me in because in a three short months, I weighed 280, he weighed 210. He beat me up and down every way but loose. But I tell you, I learned. A lot of agility out there. Of course, Mr. Wrestling, too. Anybody that can count to two knows about him because they're always yelling at two, two, two. It's very irritating to me, but I got to hand it to the man. He's got a following, and deservedly so because... He's a winner. So is Hiro Matsuda. That's why this is a classic. Very few promotions will air this kind of match. They only want to put this kind of match into an arena. They don't want the people to see it for free. And I have to hand it to Mid-South Sports because of the fact that I enjoy watching this kind of match myself on television. And uh, Wrestling 2, again, one of the most famous masked men ever to wear a mask. And... He's very, very, very protective of that mask. I mean, almost maniacal about it, a fanatic. You touch it, the man just explodes. He's like a hand grenade going off. And uh, the big Uganda's been finding that out. He's been trying for a couple of, couple of weeks to uh, take that mask off, and all he's gotten is a double handful of trouble. Matsuda on the offensive now, using those chops. It's not the, so much the velocity of the chops, it's the location of them. Well, let's stop it there, Mike. You hear Bob Roop on commentary a little bit about Matsuda and, of course, wrestling too, losing his cool when people go for his mask, something that will be a continuing theme, obviously, with Mr. Wrestling 2 in Mid-South Wrestling. Wrestling 2 wins with the million-dollar knee lift. Any other thoughts or notes? I, li- I really like Bob Roop bringing up the how possessive Wrestling 2 is about his mask. I, I think that's very good to add in right there because I mean, we're going to see that in the weeks to come. He is very possessive. I mean, it's, uh, it's, I mean, it, it hides his identity. It keeps him, uh, you know, his animity there. So I'm, I, I love, uh, Rube bringing that up about two and you know, it, that was good stuff. He added in too about Matsuda, but, uh, good stuff there from Bob Rube. See, I said something good about Bob Rube. You did. You did it. Social media can get off your back for one week. <laughs> Our next match, Mike. This is actually from this television taping. It is Kamala with General Skandar Akbar and Friday and the Great Kabuki with Gary Hart versus the tag team of Tim Horner and Buddy Landell with Rick Ferreira as the referee. 
Before we talk about anything else with this match, there's a little bit of action during Reeser Bowden's introductions. Let's listen to this and a little bit of the interaction between Gary Hart and Skander Akbar. But let me tell you in advance, the star is Reeser Bowden. Let's go to this right now. As you can see, we've got entering the ring now probably the most awesome tag team you've ever seen and two of the best-known managers in professional wrestling today, Playboy Gary Hart and General Skandor Akbar. Of course, Gary Hart knows that money begets money and that Gary Hart is interested in the American dollar. Certainly, he can tell you that for himself. Just let's get a couple little priorities straight now, Skandor. Priority in this agreement is cash. Now, every time you want something a little more, you're going to be expected to pay a little more. Now, I know that you have been a man that has spent great sums of money to get things done. But when Kabuki does them for you, each and every time, and I want this straight, the payoff will have to get bigger, bigger, and bigger, and I know you can afford it. You heard, Reesers heard, the people in Mid-South have heard, it's an agreement. And an agreement we have. I just love money, Scandal. That's quite obvious. And to get on with the match, at 385 pounds, General Skandor Akbar's pride and joy, Kamala, the Ugandan warrior. And his partner in this tag team event at 235 pounds from Singapore, the great Kabuki. Okay, Mike, we'll talk about Akbar and Gary Harper. Reeser Bowden steals the show once again, has to get the last word in. I just love money. That's quite obvious. <laughs> you know, again, imagine any other ring announcer just improv like that as the top heels or, you know, one of the top heels, a top heel faction are in there. Very, very serious. He's in the middle of them smiling. And even funnier visually is that Kabuki is standing in front of Reeser and he's wearing like a half Darth Vader helmet and then some other kind of mask in front of it. It's just one of the most ridiculous scenes ever. Reeser makes it so silly, but it's great. I, I got to clip this and put it on Twitter. This is ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. I hate to laugh, but I, I had to mute myself the whole time it was playing because I'm, I'm visualizing this, this, this man. You got two serious managers here with Akbar and Gary Hart, and you're right. You've got Kabuki, who's got the ha- the Darth Vader mask on with a with a mask underneath it, so you can't really see him, and he's kind of like in front of Reeser, but you can see Reeser's entire face. In this whole time, Reeser, while all this is being talked about, you don't see this. He's he's smirking. He's looking at the camera. He's raising his eyebrows. He's laughing. He's, it's so freaking ridiculous. I mean, and then he finishes it off with what, what was it? What did he say at the end, Brian? What did that, you have? That's quite obvious. Is he laughs. He's laughing. We got these diabolical heel managers in the great Kabuki who spits green mist that at that point in time, I thought could poison you and, you know, blind you. And we got Reeser laughing the whole damn time. God. I can't believe Gary Hart kept his composure. Like, Skandar Akbar is used to this. But Gary Hart, I don't know how he kept his composure. He's being as sinister as ever. And Reeser's just, he's full Reeser in this moment. What the hell was Bill Watts thinking? <laughs> like, good God. Like, I just, I am 
thoroughly amazed that the cowboy allowed this to continue as long as it did. Or if he just was like, ah, that's just that idiot being that idiot. I don't know. It's just amazing. Amazing as you watch it back. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about this match. Come on, Kabuki. Obviously, they kind of destroyed Tim Horner and Buddy Landell. Do you have any thoughts or notes about this match, Mike? Brian, you got any pills? <laughs> <laughs> After this match, you may need them. Right. Uh, that, that was the joke on Buddy uh, asking a, was it a 15-year-old Brian last for some uh, pain pills? I think when he asked me, I may have been 16 by that point in time, oh. yeah. Still a minor, though. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Budro. Uh, he definitely needed some pills after this match. But uh, no, I, 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 Hank's now in the front row. You know, uh, uh, Wrestling 2 is actually on commentary, which is good. But uh, there's there are a lot of silent moments in this match from Boyd and 2 on commentary. It is... It's when I say silent, I mean, they just shut up and don't say anything during the match. So, no, I don't have anything. I mean, these two being Kamala and Kabuki are going to dominate the match, which they do. And that's all I really have. Well, let's give an example of that commentary. Mr. Wrestling 2 calling this match with Boyd Pierce. Let's go to this right now. As the green flame, their opponents across the ring, the popular duo of Tim Horner and Buddy Landale watching to see there once again. Kamala trying to figure out all the hair, Mr. Racing, too, that's on the head. He has none on his, as neither does Playboy Gary Hart. But inside that head of Playboy Gary Hart is a brilliant brain, as the other manager also, General Skandor Akbar. And when money's up, they all turn to green. Well, this, without a doubt, has got to be the most awesome team uh, that I've ever seen, has seen put together. When you get Gary Hart and uh, uh, Akbar together, those two minds have got to be the two devious minds in the, in the wrestling profession today, as you well know. Kabuki in the ring against Buddy Landell. I know Mr. Rassing, too, is watching very closely. The man has mastered all the martial arts in the ring, the great Kabuki, and he'll watch his opponent and partner, also Kamala, on the outside of the ring. Something that I always uh, try to make my business is to watch all different wrestlers from all parts of the country because all of them are, uh, have a different style, different ways of uh, protecting and defending themselves. And this Kabuki, needless to say, one of the top martial art uh, competitors in the wrestling business today, as you can well see. He executes those kicks with uh, great talent, smoothness, great ability, and without saying, with a lot of thrust. Well, there you hear it, some of the commentary, and I'll tell you, Mike, Mr. Wrestling 2 is actually onto something there, probably beyond what even he was thinking on commentary, but you watch Mid-South Wrestling and you watch modern WWE or AEW, whatever it may be, and it seems like so many of the guys, if not the vast majority of the guys, are wrestling the same style, same moves, same footwork, same flips, same dives to the floor. Everything just seems so, so much the same. And then you watch Mid-South Wrestling, and it really is a mix of guys with different styles. Kabuki doesn't wrestle like Wrestling 2. Wrestling 2 doesn't wrestle like Kamala. Kamala doesn't wrestle like the dog. The dog doesn't wrestle like Duggan. Duggan doesn't wrestle like DiBiase. It really is just a complete mix of styles, and I guess when you look at it with modern eyes, it really does stand out. Well, I've said this a bunch of times on Booking the Territory when Doc and Harper and I talk about like modern wrestling. It's not that we want to like 
you know, very modern wrestling or whatnot, but everything's so homogenized, sanitized. Uh, there's it's it's a lot of cookie cutter stuff. You just you just don't have the outlandish and crazy, not only different styles, but different personalities that you had in the territories. And that's always been my argument for the territories or even, you know, even when, you know, the old TBS show on Saturday night, what you had there, you still had so many different personalities. I mean, if even if it's guys like, you know, Jimmy Boogie Woogie Man Valiant, um, you know, the horsemen were different from him, uh, were different from, and people are going to say, oh my God, uh, really? But I'm going to say like a guy like Shaska, you know, Pez Watley, when he turns into Shaska and how crazy and insane he is, or even Paul Jones's, you know, Island of Misfit Toys at one point. I mean, you got these different personalities, but to go back to what you're saying, yes, Mid-South, you got all these different styles and you just, you know, I don't know, to me, you, you don't have it as much in today's environment. I think they're doing better. Because now there's actually, you know, we've gotten to a point in time where the 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 indie boom kind of has happened. And so a lot of these guys are are being seen a lot more and WWE is now picking them up. So you do have a little bit more than you did maybe in the previous decade. But I agree. Um, Mid-South, you had so many different styles. I mean, look at Kabuki and Kamala, two different characters, but just both crazy in their own way. So you had a lot of that in the territories that you just you just don't didn't have as much in the last decade of modern wrestling, in my opinion, or even longer. Kabuki and Kamala win. Kamala hits a splash on Buddy Landell. And then from there, Mike, we get a big match. The Louisiana State Champion Hacksaw Duggan versus Bruno Sammartino Jr. with Jerry Usher as the referee. During this match, it seems like they were having a difficult time working together because you could see Duggan. I mean, I shouldn't say you could see it like it was blatantly obvious, but if you know what to look for, it's a little obvious. Duggan's calling spots several times, including in a chin lock. I think at a point where he got a little frustrated, like we're not on the same page here. What did you think? Did you see any of that? A little bit. It's um, not smooth, I guess, is the words we're looking for. You can definitely you can definitely get a sense that something is a bit off. And I'm just going to chalk it up to they didn't know each other very well, although they may. And I'm just not privy to that information. But I definitely think there may be something to what you said about, you know, they're, they're just not on the same page. Let's hear a little bit of commentary during this match. Mr. Wrestling 2 about Hacksaw Duggan actually having an amateur background, not just being this dangerous brawler. Should be a good one. It certainly should. You know, Bruno San Martino, very well developed as a young man and uh, got a very good uh, amateur wrestling background. Uh, he's, a, he's a great athlete, great competitor. But, uh, you know, Duggan is the type of man that uh, takes it to you. He doesn't back away from anything, and he gets right into it. Beautiful takedown by Duggan. A lot of people doesn't know, but uh, Duggan himself has a, a very outstanding uh, amateur background besides being a, a football uh, uh, star himself. But Duggan is finding a little having He's had his problem getting away from uh, Bruno San Martino. I think that upset him a little bit. Bruno carried it to him all the he way certainly until did. Duggan finally retreated to the ropes. Time and time on many occasions we've seen Duggan use his own body. Certainly own has. Body has no care for it at all. He has no care for anything. Now he comes he down to say himself. The fans are hollering. Bruno San Martino now trying to figure out what he's what's he, what's he got up to now. As you well know, Duggan is a man you just never know where he's going to come from next in this match and you're the greatest example that i can think of racing too 
it doesn't mean that the big man always has the upper hand, right? Not at all. Not at all. Size doesn't mean anything in wrestling. It never has, you know. Who knows something? There you go. Right. Proven point right there. He got up underneath him and gave him a good slam. Made a mistake. Well, there you hear some of the commentary, Mike. One thing that is becoming more and more noticeable, I know you brought it up either last week or the week before, more and more of the crowd are starting to cheer for Jim Duggan. They're starting to clap for him. They're starting to try to get his attention. More and more each and every week, it is becoming noticeable. And if we're noticing it, you know Cowboy Bill Watts is noticing it. Yeah, and you're going to see it actually in the next couple of weeks. I think to me, you see it a little bit more and more. Um, and he's going to be involved in, you know, still some heelish stuff. But it, it is very much a thing where you can see they just like him for, for whatever reason they find. They, they like him. And I just think it's because they can appreciate the brawling style of him, his mannerisms. Uh, he, they, I mean, you can look at Duggan right here and you're like, you know, even as a kid, I, I want to say I thought there's something there with this guy. You know, he's got you know how you, you hear a, a lot of wrestling personalities and veterans of the business. They'll say he's got it. He, he you can you can clearly see. And I mean, we've known this for a while, but you can clearly see he's got it. He's got that thing that makes him a star. He really does. And and I think the fans are picking up on it and they they appreciate him, even though he's still a heel right here. You know, in the WWF, he came in as a well-pushed star. Uh, of course, you know, there was the whole incident where he left and then he came back, but he was relatively well pushed the entire time, and that's how he was brought in. In Mid-South, he really had to earn it. Brought in as a heel, kind of a mid-card heel, instantly got to the top of the card through the DiBiase alignment, and fans are now starting to turn him. So this is so much more organic than anything else we'd ever see with Jim Duggan throughout his career. The fans are starting to react to his actions in the ring, the way he moves around the ring. Again, no one works the same. Everyone works different. Duggan's doing his stomps. He reacts to things differently. And the fans are going to turn him. And you're hearing it right here. Yeah, it's it's his personality, man. He's got it. And, and, you know, again, some guys have it and some guys don't. Well, he's definitely got it. And you can see it. And the fans are feeling it. And it's like you just said, man, he's uh, they're they're turning him and I'm sure Watts is sensing it. I mean, you can see it in the match. I mean, you pointed it out. There's people clapping, you know, there's people raising yeah. their hand, something good. It's quite evident. You, you don't have to look far to find that they appreciate him. An interesting finish here. Hacksaw Duggan wins after hitting Bruno San Martino Jr. with a spear and he goes out of the ring. He wins via countout. So a countout victory for Hacksaw Duggan. Any other thoughts about the match or the way he won the match, Mike? I thought that was a nice finish of, you know, doing something different for a finish because he threw uh, San Martino out. And then as San Martino's getting back in, like you just described, he spears him as he's getting back into the ring and it knocks San Martino to the outside. And uh, Jerry Usher counts the 10 count and he wins by count out a different finish. You know, he didn't just spear him and pin him. They threw a little bit different twist on it. Um, and then when when Duggan's, you know, doing the stomp and gets his hand raised, you do see some claps and cheers in the audience, even though it was kind of a heelish thing. So. Uh, yeah, good stuff there, and, and and nice change of pace on the finish. Again, this interesting episode, no DiBiase, no Stagger Lee. A lot of the bigger guys are not here, no Bill Watts. And then we get an interesting main event. They've kind of been talking about it in commentary, telling us about the feud more than we actually saw any of the parts of the actual feud. But Gino Hernandez versus Chavo Guerrero with Rick Ferreira as the referee. Why don't we listen to some commentary before we talk about anything here, Mike? 
Here's Mr. Wrestling 2 about why this match, this challenge, is so special. A tremendous special challenge match being introduced. Chavo Guerrero, the great athlete, versus another outstanding athlete, youngster, self-proclaimed gorgeous Gino Hernandez. Then a wild one, Rick Ferreira, the referee trying to separate them. You know, something that a lot of people may not understand is uh, where this all came about, the reason for this particular uh, challenge here. This man, I was in Houston, Texas, when uh, this thing all really started. Guerrero was in a a tag team match, a six-man tag match, and uh, this this gentleman here that he has on the floor right now, Gino, is uh, he, right out of nowhere, came charging into the ring and busted a chair over this man's head. Uh, charble and uh, caused the, the man to un- be able to una- unable to continue in, the, in a six-man tag match and I myself went in and finished the match for him and this uh, as you can so as you can well feel and imagine that uh, there's a lot of animosity between this these two men uh, in this particular match well there you hear it a lot of animosity things have been happening between these two one thing that's a little different with this match and most matches, Mike, is they give it a lot of time. This gets the better part of the last 10 minutes of the show, including a commercial break. So they really give this match a lot of time here. Yeah, they basically gave him 25% of the show if you really break it down by you know percentage points uh, uh, for this episode. And um, I guess it makes sense because it was going to be a competitive match. I like what you hear in the commentary right there from two because he he explains why there's bad blood between these two with uh, Gino busting open Chavo and then two having to to wrestle that match. Uh, it's It ends up being a very competitive match, though, from start to finish and a, a very lengthy one by television standards and not by standards of us going to the arena and seeing it. I mean, we don't if I bet you if you timed it out, I mean, this times out with some of the big matches that we've seen like the tag matches where JYD, you know, had to go home and and all uh, in these big matches that we've seen. I mean, this probably times out about the same length as those. So, yes, they gave them plenty of time to tell a story and have a competitive match here. You know, another interesting thing said on commentary here, Mike, cuz you know, again, they're talking about this feud and why this challenge is happening, but What happens to the guy that loses? I thought this was really interesting considering where things do go. Let's hear this on commentary from Mr. Wrestling 2 and Boyd Pierce. Well, that's very true. You know, in this particular match, you might uh, uh, put this in your mind and think about it for a moment. This will probably be whoever comes out on top of this particular match. It's going to be a very, very, not only a disappointment, but an embarrassment. An embarrassment. A very high embarrassment. Because... uh, this is going to be showed all over the country, and uh, I'm sure neither one of these men uh, want to lose. They both want to win. So, therefore, whichever one does come out uh, on the bottom, you may not even, uh, he might be so far embarrassed that uh, you may not even see him around for a while. Well, it's that kind of a match. Like I say, we've got two winners against each other. Prestige on the line more than just a victory. A lot of moral victory could be included in this. Well, you heard it right there. The man who loses may be so embarrassed you won't see him around for a while. And not to play spoiler here, but that's exactly what happens. This is the last match we see on TV, on Mid-South TV, for at least a few years. I think he may come back for a show or two in maybe 84, 85. But this is Gino Hernandez. He's only been here a few weeks here at the beginning of the year as the Houston-Mid-South connection is really getting stronger. This is his last match on Mid-South TV, Mike. Something I 
just realized too, and it should have hit me before, is everything you just said spot on as you uh, recapped what two's talking about here and Gino's going to be gone. I just realized that Paul Bosch, this has got to be the first match that Paul Bosch doesn't call as well for Gino. I think he's called every other Gino match. Does that sound about right, Brian? That I think is true. I think Paul Bosch has called every other Gino match. Because again, Gino started coming to the TV tapings once Bill Watts bought into Houston and then Paul Bosch started appearing at the TV tapings. But this would end up being one of the last things Gino did in wrestling for a while, Mike. But on the topic of this match, did you have any thoughts about the actual match? Obviously, General Skandar Akbar, for a reason that's never really explained, is sitting at ringside in a chair watching the match. Did you have any thoughts or notes about it? Yeah, I had that same note. I was wondering if you were going to bring it up. They they do that. They do the old Ric Flair spot where uh, Chavo shoots Gino over into the corner and Gino flips over, goes to the outside. And then we literally see the back of Akbar's head watching the match. I don't know if that was just Watts, you know, teasing something that he knew would never happen or what that was trying to be or just giving, you know, the fans something to speculate about that were there. I mean, we only see the back of Akbar's head for a split second, but that's it. I, um, you know, I thought uh, overall they had a very competitive match and, you know, Chavo hits Gino with what I call Iceman Parsons' finisher near the end of the match. And uh, that's all I had. Chavo wins. Let's hear the finish of the match right here. Chavo Guerrero versus Gino Hernandez. TV time is running out. The drive. Oh, no. We just have one minute time remaining, so we won't have time for the standby match, that's for sure. Gorgeous Gino Hernandez now with the referee knocked out. Beautiful, beautiful. Oh, oh no. Oh, I wish he... Guerrero, some way, somehow, would get back to his feet. What's Gino doing? What's Gino doing? Gino going, Skandar Akbar to Good. ring Akbar in his chair. Akbar back over there, observing, directing traffic once again. Made it convenient for him. Chavo Guerrero came on top there. Beautiful. Drop kick. That chair did him no good. There it goes. Beautiful. Oh. Chavo Guerrero with a steel chair. There comes Rick Pereira back in the ring. Can he make it as our time's One, going? Two. Our time's gone. We'll be back next week. Tony Atlas will be here along with Stagger Lee. Goodbye, everybody, from Mid-South. And there you hear it, Mike. The fans really starting to get into it towards the end of the match. As time was running out, Chavo gets the pin with, I think, a second left. Maybe not even a full second. Also got to make note, because we've seen Alfred Neely do it a bunch of times, really good bump by Rick Ferreira out of the ring. But any thoughts or notes about this match before we wrap things up? That was a note I had. Rick Ferrara took, took a nice bump through the ropes to the outside, sold it well. Timing was perfect. What I mean by timing was perfect was when when he's starting to get back in, uh, it's it's just a little bit after Chavo hitting Gino with the chair. And Rick Ferrara, he's still selling it because his count is a little bit slower than normal. But he falls into the ring and calls it and uh, gives Chavo the win for the pinfall. And uh, I thought it was a really good, nice little finish there. Fans were into it too. Well, as we wrap things up, want to remind you once again, you can follow me on Twitter at GreatBrianLast. You can follow the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network on Twitter at SuperPodcasts. The Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network is also on Facebook, facebook.com slash Arcadian Vanguard. 
You can hear me on the 605 Super Podcast at 605pod.com or available wherever it is that you find your favorite podcast for classic wrestling talk and wrestling humor, the 605 Super Podcast. Mike, how can the listeners stay in touch with you and booking the territory? Come give me a follow on Twitter at Mike504Saints. Uh, I try to tweet out clips from uh, the shows that we discuss. And also, listen to Booking the Territory twice per week. The shows drop debut on Thursday nights and Sunday nights at 7 p.m. Central Time. The Thursday night show is the NWA Saturday night show from the mid-'80s. The Sunday night show is the Smoky Mountain Wrestling Recaps, which we are nearing in on the end of the promotion. I think we've only got about... Uh, 40 left at this point, if my count is correct. Other than that, I appreciate everyone listening to this show. Fun time. You can find, I'm sorry, you can find Book in the Territory at tinyurl.com slash bttpod or just search Book in the Territory wherever you get your podcast from. Another fun show, another fun episode. It was a little bit disjointed when I watched it, but it was a lot more fun when we reviewed it together, Brian, so I enjoyed. There'll be some great stuff on next week's show, but until then, the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast is a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. For Mike Mills, I'm the great Brian Last. Tally-ho! Mm-hmm.